Majora's Mask. Chapter 23. Stained Tabula Rasa. Part 3. Link's boots splashed against the sewer's damp stone floor. Tattle kept the tunnel's complete darkness at bay. Her small circle of light cast a mobile perimeter in its void. They traveled until they reached another fork in the passageway. In both directions, the black depths were indistinguishable from each other. Are you sure you know where you're going? Tattle asked. Yes, Link said, taking the right hallway. I've been here before. Before felt like a lifetime ago. He remembered walking through these sewers with the first tattle. She saved me when I was a helpless Deku scrub, he thought. He'd been dangling from the ceiling in a spider web and she'd flown back to rescue him after some secret errand. For the most part, Link and this tattle journeyed in silence. The boy kept dwelling on today's terrible events the screams of the dying, the Skull Kid trapping them within Clock Tower's walls, and the deserted streets. On their way through the sewer, they'd passed one corpse being dragged away by a Skullchula. Link and Tattle recognized him as an East Clock Town stall owner. I guess we're not the only ones who tried to flee through here, he'd realized. It seemed his sword was enough of a deterrent to help avoid battles of their own. They'd made it through the square room, up the ladder, and halfway through the maze leading to the observatory. The wailing from South Clocktown penetrated his thoughts yet again. Link winced, and he couldn't stop himself from speaking this time. Are you sure this is the right thing to do, Tattle? He asked. It feels so terrible to abandon them. Tattle sighed. I really admire you, Link. You're always trying to do the right thing, and I respect that. But it's like we said, this is our only option. I agree, it's not right to let those people die, but the only way to save them in the long run is by walking through these dark tunnels. Yeah, Link said distantly. I know. I guess I just needed to hear you say that again. Happy to oblige, the fairy said. I've accepted my role as the reasonable and cautious one to temper your heroic impulses, as well-intentioned as they are. Link raised an eyebrow. Right, but it's only when I defy your reason that we accomplish things. Important stuff only happens after I've completely ignored you. The fairy turned back to see Link smiling to himself. I've taught you well, she said. Before this adventure is finally over, your sarcasm will be as dry and cynical as mine. A group of people wielding several torches made their way to the Stockpot Inn. 
there were twenty-four villagers altogether. Muto, the head carpenter, and Judo led them. Muto was the largest man there, so he was one of the few chosen to carry a guard's spear. They'd raided the town armory on their way, and though most of the weapons had already been taken, there were no guards to stop them from looting what remained. Judo carried a torch, and her footsteps were quick behind Muto's. She shivered in the cold night, given her leotard, but she ignored the cold. She was intent upon their destination. What all did he have on him? Muto asked gruffly. His eyes relayed a bloodthirsty eagerness that frightened Judo. I only saw a sword and shield, Judo said. But he could have more in his bag. <sighs> we'll have to be careful, Muto said. He shook his head and scoffed. What a horrible person. He brings some monster into town and hides from it, letting the rest of us pay. <sighs> and Anju hid him, the dancer exclaimed. I thought better of her. Ever since Café ditched her, she's never been the same. <sighs> That's what she gets. Andrew's infatuation with that man isn't healthy. Café was a spineless coward for running away, and she's an even greater fool for fawning over him. The carpenter's tone frightened Judo again, but she still ignored it. Even though Muto was a hateful man, she needed him right now. She trusted him to do the right thing in a time of crisis. Soon they reached the door. Muto pounded his fist against it. Open up! There was no response, and the townspeople waited silently behind them. Their flickering torchlight illuminated the otherwise abandoned plaza. We know you're hiding him! Hand him over, or we're taking him ourselves! Still, no one answered. When Muto turned the doorknob and found it locked, he smiled. The carpenter flung his shoulder into the door, and it only took three tries until it budged inward. The hinges creaked and threatened to pop. The townsfolk began chanting behind him. Give us Open the fairy the boy! Open the door! You can't hide. Let Give us, us the fairy boy! Let us dead. in! You can't hide! The villagers raised either a torch, a weapon, or a fist angrily in the air, screaming into the night. The door eventually flew off its hinges and landed in the lobby. Muto and Judo stepped into the room first. The lobby was empty, and no one was behind the desk or in the kitchen either. Judo and Muto exchanged a glance as the others behind them tried to peer around their heads. Andrew! Muto shouted. Where is he? We don't need her! Judo said. He's up here! The young dancer took the lead, turning to go up the staircase with her torch held high. She reached the knife chamber as the other villagers lined up behind her along the stairs. Further down the hallway, the door to a larger hotel room opened. Marilla peeked her head out, aghast. Judo, she said, exiting the room to confront her sister banging on the knife chamber door. Open up! Judo shouted. Step aside, Muto grumbled. Judo agreed as the carpenter took charge of breaking down the door. You brought a mob to raid the hotel, Marilla said in shock, raising her voice to project over the crowd. We had to, sis, Judo said as the door caved in. He's killing us off, and not one by one like he said. And you honestly think he'll leave once you hand this boy over? Her sister said bitterly. 
He's probably the only chance we have of stopping that murderer. Then he shouldn't have gone into hiding like a coward. The door to the knife chamber flew inward, sailing across the room and landing on the table. It only took a few raised torches and a quick scan of the room to determine it was empty. Muto's smile faded. Where is he? Judo tensed behind him when she saw the empty beds. Oh no, she thought. He was... She began trailing off. Right there. Muto and the others faced her with an unspoken accusation. Did you lie to us? Judo, however, refused to give in. Aren't you? She exclaimed. The dancer pushed her way through the crowd back into the staircase. When she made it past the last person, she stopped when she saw the innkeeper waiting at the bottom. She stood beside her mother, Tane, who was identical except in size and age. Anju stared up with fear in her eyes, but her mother's large physique conveyed nothing but rage. What are you doing in our hotel? Tane exclaimed. She took a few furious steps forward, leaving her daughter at the bottom of the staircase. Excuse me? Judah replied, filling her response with bile. I don't care that you have a room, Tane said. We're evicting you. Take your deranged mob of lunatics and get out. Oh, we're not leaving until your daughter tells us where he is, Judo said, raising her torch. Who? Tane said. She turned to look down at Anju, who found it hard to return her gaze. The rest of the mob had quieted, watching eagerly from behind Judo. Muto was at the top and was tall enough to see over everyone's head. You think my daughter is hiding whatever person that serial killer outside wants? I know she is, Judo said. I saw her serving him lunch while he hid in the knife chamber. Uh, uh. The dancer tried to push past Tane, but Anju's mom forcefully pushed Judo back up the stairs. The dancer gasped, facing Tane with disgust. She opened her mouth to argue, but Anju broke the silence, taking a step closer to them. You're right, the innkeeper said, trying to center herself with another deep breath. I hit him, but not from you. I hit him from the killer outside. I hit him because he's the only one that can stop the Skull Kid, as he's called. He, he plans to wipe out everyone in Clock Town, and if we turn Link in, we'd, we'd be helpless to stop him. Link? Judo said, now successfully passing Anju's stunned mother. So you're on a first-name basis with that traitor. What is he, your lover? Your new cafe? You can't stop swooning for every man that comes to your doorstep with big promises, can you? No, Anju said, bringing her hands down to stand firmly. It's not like that. He's the only one who could stop the monster with the mask. <sighs> I'm sure he said that, Judo said. She smiled when another thought occurred to her. You know what? She took a few steps closer to Anju, allowing Fury to overpower her. I bet I know what he said to you. He promised that he'd bring you and Cafe back together, didn't he? Said that Cafe still loved you and was waiting for you. You can't get over that man, can you? <coughs> Tane grabbed the dancer by the shoulder. This time, she threw her back up the staircase. Judo's torch fell from her hand as she caught her balance. Don't you ever speak to my daughter that way! 
She's harboring the man responsible for Clocktown's slaughter. Judo said. Someone has to do something. You're playing right into that thing's hands. Anju said, stepping up to join them. Dragging off someone to the clock tower won't solve anything. I say we drag her off to the tower. Someone in the crowd yelled from behind. All eyes turned to find Muto at the top of the stairs. He made his way down and the mob parted to let him squeeze through. If you think this Link's plan is so noble, then why don't you die for him next? Other villagers chimed in with their support. Yeah, let's take her instead. No, let's she take wants her us instead. to let the town keep dying, then she's next. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what she thinks when her life is on the line. Anju's anger melted away into fear, but her mother's fury only grew. If you lay one hand on my daughter, you'll what? Muto said, now face to face with the two innkeepers. We're done sitting around and waiting. Give us the boy, or give us her. We're not giving you anyone, Tane exclaimed. Muto responded by grabbing her shoulder as the others screamed for blood. Tane tried to resist, but the scuffle sent her tumbling down the stairs. She landed beside Judo's fallen torch with a heavy thud. Get off of me, you... Mother! Hanchu exclaimed. Muto's hand reached for her next, but the innkeeper managed to twist away from his grasp. She knelt beside her injured mom, who stirred beneath her hand. I'm fine, Hane said weakly, shooing her away. Just go! Muto leapt down the stairs to cut them both off from the lobby. Anju obeyed her mother, turning to flee as Muto reached for her again. The carpenter barely missed and took chase while the townspeople followed. A few villagers stopped to help Anju's mother, but they all turned too late to notice Judo's torch catch the carpet on fire. <gasps> no! No! Tane exclaimed. The villagers helped guide her safely into the lobby, but the fire quickly spread to the walls as well, trapping those still on the staircase. Anju hardly made it a few feet before Muto caught her. He restrained her with the help of another villager, and they guided her back toward the staircase. However... They quickly noted that the shouts and cries for Anju had turned into shouts and cries over fire. Muto and his accomplices turned around, guiding their captive around to the front desk. Muto leapt over it and then forcefully dragged Anju across, pulling her toward the hotel's open front door. The cold night awaited them. Help! Anju exclaimed. She fought to overpower her captors, but she wasn't strong enough. The innkeeper turned to see her mother still struggling to stand with the help of two villagers. The fire roared behind them, and Tane noticed her daughter just as she disappeared into East Clock Town. Anju! She yelled, stretching out a hand. Despite her daughter's capture, the fire quickly recaptured her attention. Trapped people panicked on the staircase, or else followed Muto by climbing over the desk to run. The two men helping her eventually guided her outside as well, trading heat and smoke for a chilly darkness. Tane's mind raced with fear for her daughter, for those trapped in the stockpot inn, and for the hotel itself. The flames continued consuming the inn and eventually overpowered all the screams inside. It was chaos, and even from outside, Anju's mother watched as people filed out the door on the second story. Marilla held it open, battling the smoke and yelling to those still trapped inside that there was another way out. Anju's mother turned to see her daughter still fighting for freedom, 
as Muto carried her into South Clocktown. Link and Tattle were walking silently through the sewers when they heard the Skull Kid's voice again. The imp's broadcast came when the observatory was only a few more turns away. The boy and fairy stopped immediately at the sound of his ruthless, chilling words. They were far more calculated and weighted than ever before, as if Majora now spoke, unfettered. Hmm, I have a confession to make. The voice said, reverberating even through the underground stone tunnels. <laughs> I have a confession to make. The voice said, reverberating even through the underground stone tunnels. You have surprised me, hero. And I am not easily shocked. I knew you were spineless. I knew you were a coward. Because all humans are. But to let the innkeeper, this unjust, die for you next. <gasps> no! Link gasped. Link! Tattle said. I know what you're thinking, but... Before she could finish her thought, Link sprinted back the way they came. No! The fairy yelled after him. You're doing exactly what he wants! He'll kill you! Link no longer cared. He stared intently ahead, flying around corner after corner without questioning himself. Tattle flew after him when she realized he wasn't coming back. <laughs> I expected more of you. I expected you to defend those you loved, even as I struck you down. But no, you don't love her, do you? You lied, so she would hide you. You told her that you could find her lover, even when you knew you couldn't. Even when you knew that he was already dead. You lied through your teeth. Manipulating her into joining the others who've died for you. As the Skull Kid's voice rang in his ears, Link never stopped running. He was beyond reason, sprinting to save his closest friend. He imagined Anju in the plaza and wondered if she really believed Majora's lies. He refused to fail her. Not this time, Link thought. I won't be too late. Please don't let this happen. And then his mind flashed back to riding Epona across Death Mountain. He leaned forward as his horse's hooves plowed against the rocky trail, defying the lethal cliff's threat at their side. Please don't let this happen. I'll never forgive myself. The sun was shining behind him as he went forward swiftly. I'm coming on you. But the name was Zelda as he rode Epona towards Hyrule Castle. <laughs> You've managed to turn the whole town against her. They dragged her and her mother here and burned the hotel to the ground. They asked me to kill Anju. They told me to slaughter this traitor. I'm a merciful sorcerer and merely fulfilling what they ask of me. I wonder if you've made it to the observatory by now. At least she has her mother to pity her when she dies. When she fades away into nothingness. When her consciousness, her trust in you, her love for Café, and all of her hope fade to oblivion. 
Link's boots could carry him no faster, and neither could Epona's legs. He reached the ladder as his mind revealed his forgotten past, his repressed memories. As his feet went down the ladder, Epona bulleted through Kakariko Village. As he ran through the large square room and passed Skulchula, Epona traveled through the mountain town's gate. She galloped across Hyrule Field as Link spun around the corner and ran alongside the sewer water. I don't even have to ask whether you've contemplated death. All humans are afraid of it. The idea of not existing is too much to handle. You repress it. You cower behind ignorance. You convince yourselves that something is waiting for you afterward, as if the universe was made just for you. He leapt over the water, jumping from platform to platform across the breaks in stone. Epona ran across the drawbridge into the marketplace. The guards turned to watch as the hero of time flew past. But the, but the gods, gods cannot, cannot help, help you. Nehru, Din, and Feyre are nothing. Even they are powerless against it. Darkness is the only reality. I, Majora, am the embodiment of that darkness. The light you cling so desperately to is always fading fast. All have darkness in their hearts, even without a black mark to remind them. Link was now running up the slope towards the entrance to East Clocktown. The horse and her master were approaching the castle. He could feel Zelda's warm embrace, the noise of the fountain behind them, and the cool sky fading into night. Link's blue eyes shone brightly with his past as he leapt in front of the mayor's office, now running down the staircase into the plaza. This has proven to me time and time again. The villagers overcame their love for Andrew to drag her to death, and you were able to feign such emotions to use, Andrew, already crushed by the man who left her. I almost feel bad killing her. She's, She's the, the only, only one, one that hasn't, hasn't embraced, embraced the darkness that she will now return to. Link stopped for only a moment when the fire came into view. The stockpot inn was completely ablaze. Light and smoke rose into the dark sky and the moon's wicked face bore over it. Then Link's eyes found Tattle, who'd finally caught up to him. He turned away to complete his journey to South Clocktown. Link! No! Tattle exclaimed over the roaring fire. Link swung himself off Epona, running through the elegant halls of Hyrule Castle and pushing aside the guard that tried to stop him. But no one can hide in bliss forever. Her time has come. It was then that the ant's roof fell, giving into the fire, consuming it. The massive silver bell on top plunged inward toward the lobby floor. Tattle spun around as the instrument slammed into the ground. A sharp musical note echoed across Clocktown as it cracked, forever silenced, as the fire engulfed its final ring. Link rounded the corner to see that several people had gathered in South Clocktown. Simultaneously, his mind recalled flinging open the door to Zelda's bedroom. With stunning clarity, he remembered the cool doorknob beneath his hand. The blonde boy in the green tunic had returned to the clock tower. 
The townspeople outside had pushed the wreckage of the smaller wooden tower aside and they now surrounded the square's center, obscuring it from view. Some of the villagers still held torches, but all of them were silent. The mob mentality had died with the Skull Kid's chilling words. Link neither cared nor paused to consider their remorse. It didn't matter. What had been done could not be reversed. Link pushed through those on the outside and forced himself to the center of the circle. The villagers turned to see him, shocked by his appearance. Is that... It's him! Uh, what was his name? Link? The torches illuminated the plaza's center. Anju's wrists were bound by ropes tethered to heavy pieces of wreckage that had likely been impossible to move. She was on her knees and completely surrounded, shaking and unable to control the tears that fell. Tattle watched from above, paralyzed by fear. Anju met his eyes from across the plaza. Link, she said. I... But she never finished her sentence. The ground exploded at her feet, sending her skyward as the ropes binding her wrists disintegrated. Link's eyes widened in horror, still standing where he'd only just broken the ring of people. No! He screamed as she fell to the ground limply, now only a rag doll. He also approached the large bed in Zelda's bedroom. He walked slowly, already crying before he saw the still cold face of his beloved. <laughs> no! He screamed as she fell to the ground limply, now only a rag doll. He also approached the large bed in Zelda's bedroom. He walked slowly, already crying before he saw the still, cold face of his beloved. The letter had mentioned a sudden, fatal disease, and he'd been too late to see her before it claimed her. The Skull Kid floated down from his invisible perch, heading toward the plaza where the unspeakable had just occurred. Link looked up to see the imp draw his arms back and prepare another spell. Link drew his weapons just as violet flames left the imp's hands. His Hylian shield protected him. Fire bellowed off its metal surface and sent his feet sliding backward. The villagers fled as soon as the fire appeared, now only fearing for their lives and abandoning. Anju's motionless body. Tattle's eyes scanned the scene to find the only other person not fleeing. Anju's mother. She lay on her knees and sobbed, as if she hadn't noticed the battle beginning just beside her. <laughs> Link from behind the shield pushed aside an overwhelming maelstrom of grief and shock. As sweat broke out on his forehead, the images of Zelda lifeless and Anju spiraling through the air faded. They were now replaced with a single-minded determination to end the monster responsible for so much suffering. The hand holding his sword slipped into his bag and found his bow. He readied the weapon one-handed from behind his shield. As soon as the Skull Kid ran out of fire, Link lowered his shield and released an arrow. The imp gasped, unable to react before the projectile lodged itself directly into Majora's mask. The Skull Kid froze, his arms and legs going rigid as if he'd been hit in the heart. Link brought his shield down and put his bow away for a moment. He thought that the battle was over. However, the Skull Kid's fingers twitched as he recovered from shock. 
Link spun around to flee, unsure if he could face more of the imp's wrath. The Skull Kid boiled with rage, flinging his arms outward with aggression. An invisible force blasted Link off his feet. He slammed into the wall leading into East Clock Town, and his shield left his hand. Link slid down its surface and collapsed, not daring to retrieve his fallen shield as he scrambled to run for the staircase. The Skull Kid grabbed the arrow, lodged into his mask, and tossed it aside. He flew after Link, determined to kill him as quickly as possible. The game was over, and this pathetic boy had lost. Tattle watched in shock as Link and the Imp fled South Clock Town. She turned to see that Anju and her mother had been left alone. The latter had gone to the former's side, and the fairy realized that Anju was still stirring. Regardless, a pool of red surrounded her broken body. She wouldn't live for much longer. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Hanju's mother whispered, holding the innkeeper's hand. Tattle left them alone to chase after her companion, who continued running for his life. Link was only halfway through the plaza when the Skull Kid rounded the corner. The boy ignored the stockpot in its fiery ruins, looking over his shoulder to see that the imp had stopped. The Skull Kid raised his arms to command the ground, and the stones split open. East Clock Town widened into a gorge that tore straight in his direction. Link dove to his left for the nearby Diku flower, applying his mask and rocketing out just as the ground swallowed the plant whole. Link removed the mask as he shot skyward, using the momentum to avoid the gorge and arc in front of the burning building. He barreled rolled on the East Clock Town staircase, scrambling to his feet to continue running despite his scrapes. The Skull Kid didn't waste time either, releasing a ball of purple fire as he continued his pursuit. Link dove away from the dark magic, which crashed into the mayor's residence behind him instead. It joined the hotel and quickly became a ruin, though its destruction burned violet and clashed with the stockpot inn's orange inferno. Link continued into the sewer system, which sloped down into the earth. The masked imp reached the entrance before Link had cleared the tunnel, and the Skull Kid cast a plume of fire that reached for the boy's back. It traveled through the sewer system like a chute, exploding out of the tunnel just as Link rolled from its mouth. Its heat was a dragon at its neck, but Link pressed on, approaching the small islands scattered across the sewer water. He hopped across them as the Skull Kid descended into the tunnel after him. With each leap, his breathing got harder, and Link's heart pounded mercilessly in his ears. Link was halfway across when the imp cleared the tunnel. The Skull Kid spotted his prey and conjured a thin disk of fire that cut low through the air, flying over the water much faster than Link could. The imp followed behind it. The hero dove into the water, floating down as the disk passed over him and missed. Link kicked his feet and broke the surface, jumping out to climb over the other side stone. He bolted to the left, recalling that the large room with the ladder would soon be on his right. A Skulltula climbed out of the doorway ahead of him, baring its teeth at the approaching meal. Link completely ignored it, dodging the bug as the ball of fire reached them both. The spider reared its legs only to be barbecued by the purple fire intended for Link. Link landed in the large empty room. He slowed his running when he realized that he was trapped. The only way forward was a ladder, and there was plenty of empty space separating him from it. Even if Link made it to the ladder, he'd never climb it in time. 
There was nowhere to flee or hide, no corner to dodge behind, and no time to play his ocarina. So, Link stopped running. He'd only reached the center of the room when the Skull Kid joined him. Hmm. <laughs> the imp smiled, immediately twirling his fingers to cast another spell. Link heard the crackling magic before he saw it. He turned around just as the lightning left the imp's fingertips. It struck Link directly in the scar on his chest, blasting him off his feet and across the floor. As he skidded to a halt, Link realized that the dark magic felt nothing like it had before. Instead of burning him, the dark magic had entered him. He felt the energy coursing through his veins, desperately searching for a way out. The energy was electrifying and numbing all at once. He felt it pooling in his scar as if it was an invisible container that had filled to the brim. It didn't hurt, even as it pressed against his skin, desperate for release. Suddenly, Link's point of view changed. He now floated in the air, watching his own body scream from a fetal position. He quickly realized that he was looking through the Skull Kid's eyes, just like he had in the Woods of Mystery. The imp watched curiously, not understanding how Link was still alive. The hero felt the Skull Kid's bafflement as his body slowly rose to its feet, acting on its own accord without consciousness to guide it. The fear came when his head lifted and Link met his own eyes. Each one was merely a glowing ball of purple light without an iris or a pupil. The possessed purple-eyed Link straightened its back and seemed to overcome the lightning's effects. Through the Skull Kid's eyes, Link watched with horror as it raised its arm, only to point its fingers at the masked imp. The lightning left the hero's fingertips, returning it to the Skull Kid who tried to kill him. Link and the Skull Kid shared their terror as the dark puppet struck its final blow. <laughs> the attack was as instantaneous as always. Link returned to his body as soon as the lightning left his hand. He blinked, reopening blue and human eyes to watch the lightning strike the imp's chest. The Skull Kid twirled through the air as limply as Anju had. His back slammed into the wall, forcing out a dry cough as he fell headfirst toward the floor. <coughs> Link watched in disbelief as the imp collapsed, lying there motionlessly. Link turned to his raised arm, an action that he had never taken. He lowered it and trembled when he realized that he felt good. Releasing that dark magic had granted immense physical pleasure, all centered at his chest. He nervously touched the scar and found that it was sore. Internally, however, it couldn't have felt more satisfying. What just happened? Link thought. Is that what I looked like for Tattle when I started the forest fire? He shivered. He looked over to the Skull Kid, who still lay there in defeat. There he was his mortal enemy, completely defenseless. The only noise in the room was Link's deep breathing. He wondered if the Skull Kid was dead, and if he had the courage to finish the job if he wasn't. He drew his sword and walked toward his fallen foe. However, the Skull Kid pushed himself up, stumbling back from Link. The boy froze, but the masked imp quickly lifted off the ground. He was crouched over and holding his injured chest as he flew away, 
back through the doorway toward East Clocktown. Link stood in the middle of the room, in disbelief, sword still in hand. Moments later, Tattle peered around the doorway to find Link. The fairy seemed hesitant, as if afraid of what she might find. Link? She asked. Is that you? Link's face darkened. Who else would it be? He realized that he wished his voice was weaker, that there was some sign that the battle had worn him down. However, the lightning hadn't just helped him stop the Skull Kid. It had revitalized him. I don't know, Tattle said, flying over toward her companion. What happened? The Skull Kid? He was all bent over and hurt. He flew past me without saying anything. Link opened his mouth, but then closed it again. She's afraid of me, Link realized. I think you know what happened, he said, daring to meet her eyes. The same thing that happened in the forest when he set it on... The same thing that happened in the forest when I set it on fire. My eyes turned purple, and I shot his lightning back at him, and I... saw it. He closed his eyes, willing away the image of his possessed self. It was terrible. I didn't look human. I was looking through the Skull Kid like last time, except this time he was right across from me. Tattle still had nothing to say, appearing unable to overcome her fear. Tattle, Link said, his voice wavering. What's happening to me? I... I'm... Not sure, Tattle said eventually, flying to join his side. You never told me what happened to Dark Link, he realized aloud. He remembered seeing through the eyes of the Skull Kid, and when he returned to himself, the enemy had been gone. Let's not talk about that right now, Tattle said. Hunju's outside and still alive, but I'm not sure for how much longer. Anju! Uh, Link exclaimed, instantly running to leave the sewer system. The boy stopped. However, when he realized that Tattle hadn't joined him, the fairy took only a moment to nod and follow. Shh, shh, shh. Anju's mother said softly, stroking her daughter's hair lovingly. Anju still lay in the plaza, staring at the starry sky with her mouth hanging open. Her eyes had never stopped watering, and her breathing was strained. There was an awful concavity to her chest, which was visible even through her shirt. Blood stained the stone, her legs, and her clothes, but her face remained practically unblemished. The dying fires in the East Clock Town still filled the night with light, warmth, and sound. All of the other villagers had fled, even Judo and Muto, leaving no one to stare sadly at the horrible tragedy of South Clock Town. I'm scared. Anju said softly, still staring at the sky. What if it's just like he said? Oblivion. <laughs> no, Tane said, keeping the tears out of her voice. Don't believe anything he said. He wants everyone to feel afraid, even if he has to lie. He told me that he would kill me, Anju said in a broken voice. I didn't think it could actually happen. 
but it did. Shh. Anju's mom whispered again, kneeling just beside her. You're here with me now. That's all that matters. Her mother turned away when she noticed Link and his fairy approach them. She spared them only a glance. Link approached the fallen innkeeper hesitantly, but Anja's mom didn't stop him. When he reached his dying friend, Link knelt beside her mother, and Anju's watery eyes found his. Hi, Link whispered, trying not to look at her shattered body. Link, Anju said, you came back. Of course, he said. Did you... Stop him? Yes, I did. He won't hurt anyone again. That's good. Anja turned away from him and looked back to the sky. I knew you weren't lying. I knew I could believe in you. Link's tears were impossible to stop. I'm just sorry that I was too late. But you weren't. Anju said, You came back. Link tried to smile but couldn't, so he nodded instead. But, Cafe, Anju said, I wanted to see him. Won't you go back in time now? Aren't you going to find him still? I promise, Link said. Somehow, in some place or time, I will bring you and Cafe back together again, whatever it takes. And then when I bring you two together, you'll get married. And stay that way, forever. His hand held Anju's, though he felt her grip fading even as she smiled. Will I? No? Anju asked. Her words were hardly a whisper. Will I feel it? Will I get to see him? Or am I gone now? It'll be some other new me, won't it? I'll still be dead. <sighs> You'll know, Link said, defying all reason that told him otherwise. Somehow. You'll know. Good. Anju said, smiling. She turned back to the sky, and then the tears stopped. Her breathing did shortly after. Anju's mom lost control. <laughs> Resting her head on her daughter's chest as she sobbed, Link released Anju's limp hand and he stood to leave them both alone. He made eye contact with his fairy, who met his tear-streaked face with her own crestfallen eyes. Link walked with Tattle toward the blank wall where South Clock Town's gate had once been. She's dead, Link said distantly. I know, Link, Tattle said. I'm sorry. Both of them are, Link said, shaking his head now. Both of them? Zelda. Link barely managed. She's dead too. 
Tattle's expression darkened, even though she didn't quite understand. When I was running back to save Anju, he began, I remembered running back to the castle. I'd gone to look for Navi, but a messenger found me and told me that Zelda was dying. She got sick. I tried to go back in time, but I was too late. <laughs> he sniffled, recomposing himself as he wiped the tears away. Uh, I, I left after the funeral to try searching for Navi again. And I never meant to come back. I left for good because now I couldn't. I, I can't. There are too many memories there and I see now why I blocked it out. I'm not sure what happened to send me to Termina, but I gladly gave up my memories in the process. He turned to face Tattle. We're going to the mountains and we're going to free whatever spirit is trapped there. Then we're going to the ocean and canyon and we'll do the same thing. Somewhere along the line, we'll unite Anju and Cafe and bring them into the loop with us. And then we're going to destroy it. We're not going to lock it away like the witches did and hope it disappears. Beers. Even if we stop the moon from falling, I'm not leaving until that mask is in pieces. Majora will die. Link looked down at the black mark hiding beneath his tunic. Even if I have to go down with it.